You are listening to Deeper Stuff, a podcast where we have conversations with creative thinkers and respected leaders from around the world to help us explore themes we are discussing in our weekend community time at Innovo Vineyard Church. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. Well, hey, uh, I want to welcome you guys to another episode of Deeper Stuff. This is where we take a topic that we are engaged in on Sunday mornings and talk about it in depth with uh, friends during the week. And uh, the goal is go a little deeper, give you some personal understanding of what's happening. So I've got some friends here tonight uh, to spend some time with with us and uh, hang out a little bit. I have uh, Dr. William Mungoya, who is a local pharmacist. Mm-hmm. And we're glad that you're here tonight. Also have uh, Selena Jackson with us tonight, uh, a licensed psychologist for the state of Kansas. And I have, last but not least, Miss Ashley Brown, who is an assistant manager of a local credit union here in town. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yes. Good to have you guys here. Our, uh, our goal tonight is to talk about... Uh, Racism in America, racism in the church, racism wherever we need to talk about it without boundaries tonight. So we're just going to have a little chat about that. So uh, first of all, we want to get to know you guys a little bit. I know maybe some people listening to this um, know you a little bit, each of you. But we want to hear, for those who don't know you, just a little, little snippet of, let's just say, where you grew up. Uh, how you grew up, and just a little bit about your life early on, and then, then to today. You can connect the dots to today a little bit. We kind of hear some of the early stuff a little bit. So, uh, Miss Ashley, why don't you jump in there and start for us? All right. Um, I was born and raised here in Wichita, Kansas. Um, I grew up a Christian family, predominantly black, of course, in church. Um, now, early, recently, um, here. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, Selena, how about you? Um, yeah, so I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, so from the Deep South. Um, that is the Deep South. It's very Deep South. <laughs> it's right on the coast. Oh, my. Um, and... Um, you know, African-American family, uh, but went to predominantly white schools, predominantly white churches. Um, so outside of family, I really didn't have a lot of interaction with black people. Um, yeah, so that was pretty early on, and it kind of stayed the same way kind of up until this point, even at work. Okay. Mm-hmm. William? So I am the youngest child of two African immigrants. Both my parents are from Zambia, uh, but they moved to Hillsborough, Kansas before I was born. And I was born in Hillsborough, which is a small town in backwoods, Kansas, with about 3,000 people. And uh, of those folks, my family at one point was the one black family there. And then then a second one came. <laughs> in, in the entire city. Yeah, in the entire city. Uh, and not only that, my parents were the, we were one of the only black families there. And then my dad also was a charismatic pastor in an all-white conservative Mennonite town. So it was like the blackest of the black sheep. Uh, so I, I grew up there. But uh, uh, there, were some, there were some issues that came up with my siblings. But by the time I came around, they knew my family pretty well. So I ended up having a, I ended up having a, felt like I had a lot easier of a journey than my siblings did simply because they kind of blazed the trail for me. But grew up there until middle school. And then I went to high school here in Wichita, Wichita Southeast, where I actually went to high school with Ashley. Uh, and then, uh, then went to several different colleges before graduating from pharmacy school just this last year in 2019. And being here at Innovo since 2012-ish. But a long Off time. Off and on, 2012. Yeah. And, I, and I'll mention, too, that you are our, our worship pastor mm-hmm. here at Innovo. Yeah. Doing a good job, I might say. Yeah, I fake it till I make it. <laughs> <laughs> and Miss Ashley, you are our uh, kind of our student pastor here, working with our high school, junior high and high school a little bit, I guess. So that's awesome, too. Well, I, for an opening question for you guys, I want to kind of drop this on to you. 
um, you know, we've been in a series on called Jesus, Racism, and the Church. And uh, it's been almost eight weeks we've been talking about this. And it's been interesting for me to see different people's reaction to this topic. It's probably been interesting for you to see my reaction to this topic, too, as part of this. But um, how, how do you, what, what do you think about what we've been talking about so far in, in a church setting? Uh, how has this felt for you as a person of color here at a, you know, um, we're probably 85% white, maybe? I don't know what the percentage is, but. It fluctuates from week to week. <laughs> it does. It's, it's, up, it's, up, it's up in at least the upper 70s. <laughs> we're very fluid. <laughs> at least. At least. So what are, what are some initial thoughts? What do you, how, have you, how have you felt as we've been, as a person of color sitting here, as we've been talking about some of these issues of race and the church and in America, what have you felt? I feel like it's a long overdue conversation. Uh, um, uh, I've been in a lot of different churches and church spaces uh, for a long time with my dad being a pastor. And we kind of, we go to different places and my dad, has, my, dad like, my dad and I like to talk about like church growth and church dynamics and kind of seeing how things function and flow in different churches and spaces. Uh, and uh, I think I've really only seen maybe one other church that even like took a stab at doing this at one point in time a few years back. Uh, and but beyond that, I really haven't heard of many other churches, to my knowledge, uh, that I that I personally pay, like follow or pay attention to that have really had had uh, this level of conversation regarding the topic. Uh, especially when you consider that uh, what is it, thirteen percent of the population in the U.S. is African American. Uh, so it's not like it's not as if they are uh, that it's, it's a it's a minimal problem. I'd say probably just about everybody in our church and in our, in our in our city knows at least or intimately knows at least one African American person, uh, but oftentimes the voice remains unheard. So, yeah. so why why do you think that is? Why do you think this is not a conversation we're hearing in many churches today? I think people get uncomfortable. Mm. I think people don't know how to approach it, and people have different levels of how much they care about it. Okay. Um, and you know, I've I've been in like predominantly white churches most of my life, and I'd say this is probably the first where I've seen a white pastor consistently preaching and talking on this topic. Okay. Um, I've seen it in like African American churches where it will come up more frequently and just with sure. different things going on in the society and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think it just comes down to how comfortable people are with receiving messages about it. Um, if there is kind of backlash on the, you know, back rooms of conversations that happen behind the scenes or not. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy to see it happening in, in a congregation that is predominantly white. Um, I think for me personally, sometimes I wonder how much maybe a congregation does care deep down. Like, is okay. this like impacting them or not? Um, like, cause it can, you know, hit home for me and maybe a few other people. Um, but I, I do wonder at sure. that point. Um, so I think it's good. What would be a sign to you that, uh, it's having an impact? What is something that you would notice like, oh, okay, they're getting this. Anything oh. stand out to you? I would say action, honestly. Okay. Um, and for, since this is a more predominantly white church, more people engaging with African Americans and okay. taking that um, step first, like, hey, mm. let's hang out. Let, let me get to know you. Just okay. being um, intentional, connected. Sure. You know. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I want to step back a little bit from that, and I want to talk about you guys a little bit because I think part of what we want to do tonight is get to know you better. I think part of the the journey, I want to say this right, I want people to understand where you're coming from and how you feel, how you see the world. Because I think part of this journey for a white church, for white people, is just learning to understand. Um, I know when you guys come to church, you don't just put out everything about you, just lay it on the table. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of guards that are up and you're reserved and you hold back on who you are um, and we want our goal is to be a place where everyone can really be themselves 
come to church, they'll have to like, well, what do they expect me to be? Yeah. What are they wanting to see? Yeah. What, what kind of black person do they think that I am? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I, I hate that we have to, you guys have to think like that. Uh, but we want to make it to where, man, in church, everybody should be able to just be themselves and, and let their guard down. I mean, that's our goal. Do you ever, do you ever feel like you have to have is that a fair? If I ever ask a question, like, you know, we don't want to talk about that. You just say, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to talk about that, you know. But do you ever feel, you know, I think I think you guys are loved, you're appreciated. I don't know how much people really understand all of who you are. But um, I, I, I hope you feel loved. But do you, do you have to have your guard up when you come here? When you're going to say something, do you have to think? Let me make sure I say this the right way. <laughs> what do you think? Everybody's looking, everybody's looking at each other. <laughs> See, I asked one of those questions. Maybe I shouldn't have asked that question. No, I think it's a good question. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, like, after a while, I get comfortable and I'm I'm okay as long as, like, it's an environment where, like, I've kind of felt out the room, kind of read the room. Okay. So usually, like, the first time or two probably do have more of a guard up of just kind of like you know how how are people going to perceive me how are they going to receive me into this space like are they going to receive me into Mm. this space um is it kind of consistent or is it fake um and then like once once i get kind of past that uh, you know sermon or two or week or two or something then i'm like okay well yeah i can i can come in i can be a part of this um I think that's probably just for me because I'm just kind of used to doing that because it's kind of always been that way for me. Um, so I don't particularly get anxious about like how I'm saying something or overthinking it too much. Um, and I mean, it's maybe just kind of me at this point in life. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about you guys? Well, you've been a part of us for a long time. Mm-hmm. When I say us, I mean a novo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure it still has been a journey for you of just how much you can say. Yeah. You know? I'd say that one of the things for me, uh, especially, I feel like I one of the blessings in my life of being growing up in so many different different spaces and places is like the ability to kind of learn to mesh and grow with each person that I'm around. Mm-hmm. So that was helpful in growing up in an all-white town before going to, like, Southeast High School, which is, like, 40% black and then, like, 40% white and probably, like, 20, like, 15% Asian. And then, so it was, it was interesting having that whole melting pot there and then going to just different places and different cultures over the last few years. Uh, but it's interesting, even in myself, like, I can find times where, like, uh, uh, probably now a lot less than it used to be because uh, I'm really striving just to be genuine in all spaces. But I used to be, I used to be able to flip switches very easily really? uh, in terms of the way that I communicate with people, in terms of the way that I relate to people, in terms of the way that I, uh, uh, even even sometimes even like in my physical movements, things like that. Like okay. I, I just knew that uh, if I am with this circle or this group, I can speak or behave in this manner. Okay. Uh, but if I'm with this person in this group here, uh, I know that I, I, I like uh, I could try to do that. They probably wouldn't get it or they probably wouldn't understand it. Uh, and, and to a degree, I know for one, so, well, for me and one thing is I've been trying to make sure that at least I can still remain consistent in all space on all spheres, mm-hmm. all spheres and spectrums for myself. Okay. So, so, yeah, but, but yeah, I can definitely say uh, over time or during during sometimes it's felt like I've had to kind of make sure I've flipped that switch off. Uh, okay. towards towards certain areas of like my blackness or my reference to like, African-American culture gotcha. uh, sometimes when coming through here versus other places. I saw all of you nod when he said the word, the term flipping a switch. Mm-hmm. Why did that have some relevance to you? Because like, all of a sudden it's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain that to me a little bit? Um, I'll say what I sure. have to. Um, I totally agree with the flipping the switch. It's, um, it's almost... To me, it's like a deep rooting of like rejection and we can't be ourselves. And um, I totally agree with you, Will. That's honestly how I feel. Um, I feel like even coming to this church at the beginning, (laughs) it was a culture shock for me (laughs) because I've never been in a predominantly white church. So I did feel out of place. Um, And even though it's going to be 
a year, two years, a year? That's uh, so a year and a half. Year and a half. Okay, <laughs> year and a half. We'll October will be two years. Yes, October. <laughs> but even in this transition that I'm in here, um, it took a while for me to um, not be so guarded. Um, I didn't. I felt like coming to a predominantly white church, I have to conform into the images what we're what I see out here. If that makes sense. So I had sure. to flip the squit a switch and say, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm like you guys." But when I leave, hey, you know, it's totally different. Okay. <laughs> let's let's take it out of the context of church. Let's just okay. talk about society. Um, are there, are there, what are some other times or places where you feel like you have to flip a switch? And what does that look and feel like for you when you have to do that? Is that fair? Yeah, like I think, at least for me, growing up in like different friendships, like I would have like different friend groups, um, like kind of like from school, primarily like mainly white friends and then some family, um, friends of family type of thing and I think for me what I ran into a lot is kind of neither side seeing you as being black enough and like you have to like flip to like fit in with black culture or flip to fit in with white culture and so you're just kind of like trying to be a chameleon in both but like you're not at least for me I would get the feedback of like because you go to like the predominantly white church and the predominantly white school and things like that you're not black enough so like almost this trying to like compensate to act black enough and like fitting whatever the black stereotype is for that but then like you have like over like you know your white group of friends it's well you're not like a real black person because you're not like a stereotypical black person have people said that to you before oh yeah Mm -hmm. really yeah Okay. Like from childhood on up until, oh gosh, graduate school probably. Okay. So two, three years ago. Um, yeah, it's just kind of people have stereotypes and like until, like kind of like Will was saying, when you can be your genuine self in each setting, there is that tendency to try to flip to fit that setting. Okay. So mm-hmm. you're flipping switches on both sides. Yep. A little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Well, let, let's let's jump into this here. I'm going to kind of take this. We're going to go a little deeper here. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about a time that you can think of. Uh, doesn't have to be church-related. None of this has to be church-related, really, unless I bring it up. Um, tell me about a time when someone treated you differently because of your ethnicity or skin color, whichever you want to you know, focus on there. Can you think of a time where someone treated you differently? And... Uh, Maybe you just went with the floor. Maybe it was it was a it was a hard moment for you. Yeah, search the memory banks a little bit and see. I just wait. Maybe okay. I can think of a couple. Just just okay. in like my realm of like my educational circles. I I know one, especially when I moved from Hillsboro to Wichita. Uh, when I was getting my placement in my classes here, I just remember when I showed up to school for the first day at Coleman Middle School, uh, I went through and I went through our, I went through my classes for the day and I was like, my goodness, these classes are so easy here. Like, why are the classes so simple? I went through like two weeks, never had a homework assignment, never had anything to take home. I got everything done in class in the first 15 minutes of class. Uh, and my parents started noticing, they're like, like William, you, you don't really seem to have any homework anymore. And it's like, we need to, I think we need to go talk to the teachers over there, talk to the principal and kind of figure out what's going on. Uh, I guess that when I had moved to Wichita, they didn't bother to actually look at my transcripts to see that I was actually an honor student back in Hillsborough. They automatically threw me in the lower tier classes, which is a class, which is classes which are already predominantly black at the school. Uh, so I was put in like, uh, though I was in eighth grade, I was put in like fifth grade level reading classes. Uh, and so, so I was, that's why I was going through my homework so fast and then everybody else was struggling and I was done in 10 minutes. And, uh, so I can think of that even in middle school and I can think of another time, even when I was getting ready to go into pharmacy school, uh, my dad and I decided to take a tour of different pharmacy schools in the area. So we went to Creighton university, went to Drake, went to UMKC and went to KU all in one big circuit. And I remember we stopped by, uh, UMKC at the third stop and we went to go tour the school. And uh, it was the worst tour of all time for one, because I think we never left the actual advisor's office. We didn't actually get to see a classroom. We just sat 
Uh, so, and then uh, I remember having a conversation with her. She was talking about all these different things they offer and all these different, all these different uh, benefits they have. And then she mentioned one thing. She's like, yeah, you know what? And I really think you'd have an advantage here coming to our school because, you know, we, we really are trying to, uh, we want, like, we're trying to increase our diversity levels. So we have spots that are set aside specifically for African-Americans to be able to come here in the school. And I, like, I think, I think it'd be really, I think, I think this would be a good fit for you. And I just remember sitting here thinking like, uh, so you're telling me that if I get into the school, that there's going to be teachers that are going to look at me and say, oh, he just got the black spot. Like it wasn't it wasn't necessarily because he was I had academic prowess. It wasn't because he was actually intelligent enough to be able to cut it. But we had to meet our quota. So there he is. So, so from that point forward, I decided to never go to that school at all. But but man, but but yeah, that was that's probably at least in the educational aspect and me going through my schooling. That's two of them that I can really think of, too. Selena or Ashley, what, can you think of a time? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I think mine, mine have been kind of educational and just life in general. Like I've had, you know, people who have come up to me like different points when they find out that I went to like the predominantly white Christian private school for high school, like it went from like kindergarten to high school and they'd say, oh okay well that's why you're so smart good for you and it's it's like this underlying like people thinking that they are giving you a compliment but it's really not Mm -hmm. it's just this kind of like oh okay that explains why you have intelligence or like oh wow yeah you speak so well you speak so clearly you're just so articulate and things like that um and and the question is always well why wouldn't i be um And then you flip that just to kind of like life in general. Like I've gone into, you know, high-end expensive stores and get very little help from clerks there or I'll ask questions about different outfits and sizings and they'll respond, but it's not as enthusiastic as like other people that I see shopping there. And then when I go to check out and ring up a purchase that might be more expensive, they start kind of asking questions. Well, what do you do? What kind of work do you do? And, and then they find out I'm a psychologist. Oh, how, how did you get into that? And so they're, they're seemingly normal inquisitive questions but there's a difference in tone and just kind of the context in the whole situation right. there that you can notice um and so that's just a couple of examples there sure, that's good Ashley, have you ever had uh, received negative attention yeah. because of your race <laughs> yes actually um i can definitely relate with selena going to a store boutique a boutique and um not getting help Hmm. you know or even if I ask someone like hey ma'am can you help me and they'll just ignore me and Hmm. go help someone else um it it hurts you know um Hmm. even when I was used to be a teacher and um helping the little kids (laughs) I had one student say I don't want her to help me because she's black Hmm. I want the other Miss Ashley Mm. I didn't think that was going to affect me like that till later on that night. Mm. Then it hit. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. Um, what? Let's talk about the police for a minute. I think everyone's intimidated by the police. <laughs> I know when I get pulled over for a ticket, you know, I'm I'm very nervous. But I think it's different for a black person in America than for a white person in America. Um, what do you what are your experiences there or just is there is there you think there's a deeper level of fear anxiety for you than for me when i get pulled over when you get pulled over oh yeah <laughs> i i think so just even with the I'm, my own experience in that is driving at night and um seeing a cop going a whole different direction but since he's seen me he turns around and follows me for blocks, many blocks, until I pulled into a uh, gas station. I get out my car because I was afraid. I didn't. Mm. I, I knew he was trying to pull me over. I go inside the store and I see that he pulls right in front of me, and then goes behind my car to read um, to type in my 
license plate and just waits there. Mm. I've never been scared in my life until that night before mm. because I was a black woman mm. driving. Yeah, I, th- I think that's something that, uh, just because as a, as a white man, we don't think about that, you know, but it's something that's always on, that you're thinking about when you're out and the police are around. And I think most policemen are good people, yeah. but there are natural things at work in everybody and, uh, and challenges. Um, let's talk about the whiteness of America for a minute. Um, I think in in my journey, this has been an eye-opening thing for me because I, I just never think about it, that white is the dominant culture, white sets the rules, white sets the pace, white is right. Uh, for someone who is not white, it just creates a lot of small and big problems. And um, what would you say to somebody who doesn't believe that that whiteness is a thing. You can call it white supremacy, white dominance, white, I don't know, I don't know the right terminology, uh, white con- control, I don't know. It's, what would you say to somebody who doesn't believe that's a thing? <laughs> Does that make sense? I heard an analogy once where like they compared like left-handed to right-handed people. And, like. You know, if you look at it like a desk or something that folds out, like it's made for right-handed people. And, you know, baseball gloves for people who play sports, like it's really hard to find left-handed catcher's mitts or whatever. Um, And, like, I think about it that way in that, like, the system was made because majority of people are right-handed. And it's like, you know whether it's intentional or not, there's a disadvantage to those who are left-handed. They have to try harder to like get their desk to write, you know, for them. So like if they're like taking notes in school and they're like leaning over to the side or whatever, like it's just not as comfortable. It doesn't come as naturally. There are just some natural barriers that are there because the desk was shaped for a right-handed person. And so it's, it's kind of the same thing in like American culture and that like, majority like whatever the population number is like majority of the nation is white so it just gets shaped that way um so i've i've used that analogy with you know white friends where like other things like racial analogies just weren't working so but if they especially if they happen to be (laughs) left-handed they understood the struggle (laughs) you know that's a that's a great picture yeah Mm -hmm. i think um I've got left-handed friends that really get upset mm-hmm. if they go into a sporting goods store. There's no left-handed gloves. Yeah, and so like think about like they want to practice, they but they're like at a disadvantage if they're right. using the wrong hand glove. Yep. Yep. Guitars. Yep. Got to the strings on upside down and backwards. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know one guy. His name is Michael Card. Who's a he's a musician, Christian musician, and he's got a really weird sound because he's left-handed, but he's learned to play the right-handed guitar is a left-handed person mm-hmm. and it sounds different and he said it was just easier to do that than to s- try to find a left-handed guitar that I like mm-hmm. and he just learned to play so um, what's it like being in the minority at a mainly white church what does that feel like for you because I, I, I admire you guys um, one thing I'm going to ask people to do, I don't want to let the, let the cat out of the bag, but we're going to do some, take some action steps in the month of August. And one of my assignments to all of our people, if you've never been to an all-black church, I want you not to come here on Sunday morning. I want you to go to an all-black church. I don't want you to go in a group. I want you to go as families or as an individual, maybe with one friend. And I want you to see what it feels like and I want you to go to the blossom I mean we're all the body of Christ I mean it's not just an experiment but that's going to be part of the experience for a lot of white people because mm-hmm. uh, you get it every every Sunday <laughs> and I'm sure you know, I mean, it's probably not maybe not in your mind every Sunday when you come you know I probably was at first for sure but what is that like coming into where you've got to jump through some cultural hoops to get anything out of church 
you got a white pastor. That's gonna be that's gonna be crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I I would just say for for me it's kind of normal, um, just because of the way I grew up. Um, I mean, I've always looked for churches that had more diversity, but I'm trying to think like all the pastors have always been white, um, so it's it's not unusual. Um, I would say. Innovo is the church I've been to with the least amount of diversity. Um, so that was a little bit of an adjustment. And honestly, like, I, I think if the families that are diverse weren't here, I probably wouldn't have just looked online and picked Innovo and came. Sure. Um, if I didn't know someone who was already here. Uh, for me, <laughs> um, yet again, it was it was it was a struggle, and I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes it still is. Um, I'm so used to. I grew up in a predominantly black church. That's all I know. What I did know, and um, going to another church that was very diverse that opened up a lot too. But um, I would say it's still a little bit hard, but um, it's getting better. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm letting down my guard a lot more and um, not just seeing just the color of skin all the time, just um, people's hearts. That changed a lot for me to see the love I've experienced here at church. Celine, I know you're kind of new, but Ashley, I know that you're very respected and very appreciated by so many people. I hear a lot of conversations about you and and, uh, you know, parents of teenagers and people who, you know, you, you guys are all bridge builders. That's, that's obvious. Um, but you're getting to show people who you are and, exper- and expose people to other cultural ways to do church. And I know it's coming as you feel comfortable. But that is so good for people. You're doing a great job with that. And I, I know I appreciate it very much. And uh, so I... I you know, I'm always watching. I watch everything. I'm always watching, um, you know, how people are receiving you and how you're receiving people. But mm-hmm. it's just watching, you know, I just want to make sure you're okay. And I want to see how things are doing. And it's very, it's, it's very interesting. I've, I've really enjoyed that. And mm-hmm. I do appreciate you guys. But well, what do you think? You've been quiet for a while. Hmm. I'd say it's interesting for myself. Uh, so being the child of Africans, uh, and then growing up in Hillsborough with it being an all-white town, and then with my parents being pastors there, so that means it's been an all-white church. So I feel like I've always gone to more or less predominantly white churches throughout my entire time of growing up, uh, and even like part of the Vineyard Movement, which is like predominantly white middle-class movement. Part, part of the Vineyard? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah man, being a, being a part of that whole Vineyard thing. Yeah, predominantly white middle-class movement. Uh, so it's, it's kind of it's kind of always been... Uh, I, it's interesting. It became normal to walk into a room and be one of the only one or one of a few black people in the room right. became a normal thing. So it wasn't necessarily a, as much of a culture shock for stepping into certain spaces like that. It's kind of like it's kind of a normal thing. Honestly, for me, sometimes I get more of a culture shock if it's the opposite. Yeah. Uh, if I walk into a space where there actually are more African-Americans or more black people in the room. Uh, and it's it's interesting because in some sense it's kind of like a, like a like a, oh all right but in another sense it's kind of like oh man like, it's, uh, like, like <laughs> it's, it's, it kind of works both ways it's kind of like it's kind of like a, a it's kind of like a, a sense of relaxation it's like all right I know that I can I can express myself in this way that I maybe can't do it in this space right but at the same time there also is like I feel like the opposite of Ashley it's like a learning curve it comes on the other yeah. side for yeah. myself for certain things that are considered normal in their sphere which i mean because i might be black but i'm african so i didn't grow up in that sphere entirely yes. so uh, so so that's interesting yeah I've, I've seen that in you i've watched you have to adjust to that mm-hmm. a few times and uh you you you, you flip the switch well <laughs> you, move, <laughs> you move in and out of culture very very good and that's an art form i mean that's just there's just mm-hmm. a that's it's interesting to watch that yeah. but you fit everywhere it took time for the Lord you to know. redeem that for a long time. For a long yeah. time, that was that was not being used for the kingdoms. That was being used for myself and I to, to the detriment of my identity for a long time. So the, Lord, the Lord's really redeemed that in the years. He definitely I understand. Has. He definitely has. 
So here, here's a question I've been dying to ask you because I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what you're gonna say. Um, what would you say to black friends that you want to invite to a novo? What uh, you pull them aside, you got to give them a little, little primer before they get here. I'm just curious what you, what you say to them before they, before they come. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the beginning, I didn't tell my friends at first. Later, so when they came out, oh, Ashley, <laughs> they actually thought William's dad was the <laughs> head pastor, so they assumed that it was it's a okay. predominantly black church <laughs> um, until they came. But uh, later on, I started telling people, like, hey, yeah, you should come to my church. It's really good. We want to let you know there's a lot of white people in there, okay? <laughs> so you, you're going to be out your comfort zone, so don't expect... <laughs> Um, shouting and praising <laughs> worship like that it's not like that <laughs> so it's a different feel <laughs> they're like oh okay you know alright <laughs> you know so that's that's what I say <laughs> well, and, and to your, you do invite black friends to come yeah you know see for me I say you know hey come to my church uh, I just want you to know we got black people here I just, I just let them know that I just tease, I just teasing, I, just teasing so I gotta get into my thing you know, fair fair yeah, it's all fair no I really don't say that just, I don't want to leave any doubt I don't say that so like, Matt cut that out <laughs> now, I have, now I have had friends who want to come to our church I had breakfast with a man from mississippi not too long ago and he asked me because we used to do some ministry together and he goes are there black people at your church mm-hmm. he asked me that i've never had anybody asked me that before and i said if you're asking me that question you don't want to come to my church I said, you know just this is not for, if that's a concern for you or a mm-hmm. uh, feature you know it's just kind of weird mm-hmm. but um anybody else want to chime in on what you say to your friends when you invite them <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Well, oh, you saw that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, was, I was primed and ready to go. Uh, so, man, so I say that, uh, like, as Jesus was saying, like, they will know that you are you are mine by the way that you love one another. And I said, like, I feel like that's the way that our church uh, is. And it does a good job and it's growing and doing a better job of being an example of that. Uh, in the fact that uh, I, I like the fact that our church has it may not have diversity in color but it has diversity in spectrum and spheres and like of uh, diversity in like uh like demographics and income and there's a lot of people here that would have no relationship to one another if it wasn't for the fact that they came to a novo vineyard church like they would not interact their paths would never cross if they saw each other at a distance they probably walk the opposite direction uh, but it's because of the work that jesus is doing here and the work that Jesus is doing inside of their hearts here at our church is the reason why they are even in relationship with each other. And so if anything, like, I feel like that's the biggest thing. It's like, if you come to our church, like, you will see the way that these people like, love each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have no reason to love each other other than Jesus. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, that's the main thing that I'd, I'd probably say to people within our church. That's good. Mm-hmm. Well, Selena, how about you? Mm-hmm. I like that, Will. I like that. It's thoughtful. Um, let, me, let me ask you this have you have you told have you talked to your parents about where you're going to church and what it's like yeah i i think and it, for me it's it's probably a little bit different like it it wouldn't surprise my family that i go to a predominantly white church okay. because we just have always kind of done that um and I, my family's kind of the same way like we again from the deep south so like right. you, you like you are always in white culture. Like there's okay. not a lot of separation because it just doesn't naturally happen that easily. Um, and so like, you know, if I were inviting somebody, I, I would tell them, you know, it is a predominantly white church. So they know that. So they're not caught off guard when they go in right. mainly because like, I don't know how much exposure people have had to being in an all white church. Like for me, I don't always think about it and I, it'll right. cross my mind, but it doesn't stick with me that long. Okay. Cause I know like, I'll be fine. I'm not going to worry about it. But I know other people grew up in like predominantly black churches. And so like that shock 
and that like discomfort. Like I don't want them to be so uncomfortable in the room because I didn't tell them ahead of time that they can't hear anything else mm. in that moment. They can't hear the message. They can't like feel welcomed, you know, cause right. they're just so in their head about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, That's good. Yeah. Let me, let me, Make one more shift for us tonight. Um, I believe we're in a we're in a great awakening in our country. Uh, that's how I would describe it. I think Holy Spirit led opportunity to for the church to get this right, for our culture to get it right. There's a lot happening right now in our world, and a lot of people are pushing back because they don't understand. Uh, I've heard all kinds of things. You know, slavery ended. You know, hundreds of years ago, why are we, why can't people just get over it and move on? I'm hearing a lot of things. As you look at the news, you look at what's going on in the world right now, you look at the, you know, the deaths of some black men, and one black woman in particular, um, you see the protests. I would just be curious to know what you're thinking and feeling right now in the season of life. There's a lot going on right now with COVID and different things, but what do you what are you thinking and feeling right now about current events in our country? Um, if I'm being honest, seeing all this, um, it really just breaks my heart. It hmm. grieves me. And um, I hate <laughs> I hate seeing that on the news or on social media. It just honestly just brings me to tears because um, – it's like a division. Like I'm, I'm just like I understand the pain. I understand the, um, the hurt, and um, and hearing other people saying it's not. Oh, so many years ago, it's over now. We're not dealing with it. No, it's still here. And honestly, just being in this generation, I'm like, man, I didn't think I would be able to just witness this and see this hand firsthand, like. Mm. Um, it, it, I mean, I can't even fathom even if I had a son to think these things and to worry and to pray and um, to make sure he gets home or make sure he's not doing something that he shouldn't or becoming that profile as society has formed us for black people as targets or things like that. So, again, um, it's just really grieving. It just breaks my heart. Um, and I hope it just, um, people just want to be heard. <laughs> we have to have this change. Um, that's that's what I would say. I'm just really grieved. I think for me, when it all first started, um, the marching and the protesting, part of me honestly was just surprised that so many people were surprised that this was a thing and mm, i'm like you know maybe maybe it is because i'm from the south and like mm. it's it's not a new thing like i've been to funerals where black men have been killed by police officers and no one really knows why the person is dead like no one's asking for a police report there's no conversation about well i read the police report and it didn't even make sense or they wouldn't give it like there's not even like a thought about trying to understand why this person is now dead. Um, and it's just more of they didn't kind of act right for the police. And the protesting, the marching, and things like that, I, a part of me is like, this is also not new. This is not a new thing. Um, it's just now on the news and on social media. And I really appreciate the fact that other countries are at least having some awareness in their own societies. Um, and to Ashley's point, like, I, I think sometimes some black people who are not, you know, pro let's burn everything down, get a bad rep too of like, you're not supporting black culture. You're just going along with everything. And it's like, I, you know, I, I wouldn't want someone to come in and burn my stuff down that I've worked for, you know? Um, and and is that really creating actual change in a system by you burning down things at the same time like there should be something being said because clearly since this isn't resolved and it's not the first time or the second time something's not changing 
Um, so like I, I, I think I get I fall somewhere in the middle where I'm like I'm not really surprised. Honestly, I felt a little bit numb too at the beginning of it because I'm like I, I should maybe have a stronger reaction to all of this, but I'm also like it, it's not new. Um, so yeah. I think what we're seeing a little bit this time, and I've not, I've not always been the most culturally aware person in the room, but I think that it's sticking mm-hmm. this time, mm-hmm. and people are being forced to look at it, mm-hmm. and it is polarizing, but I think it's an opportunity for some, I have a lot of hope for where we are, you know, all of you guys, including myself, we represent not just our ethnicity, but our, the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was just wondering, how are you personally intersecting your faith in the Lord Jesus and your relationship with him? How are you integrating that into what's going on right now? You know, is it, are you, is it raising your hope? Are you, do you see opportunity? I mean, what, what do you, how do you, how do you make, how do you bring those together for this season? Well, what do you think? Like it comes down to that, just understanding that uh, simply that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Like the only way for things to be able to flourish, the only way for societies to be able to change, the only way for for people's hearts to be able to change is through Jesus Christ. Uh, everything else that gets done is kind of just a uh, self help books. They don't, they don't, they aren't things that lead to lasting change. Often, I mean, how many times have you seen people try to just jump on diets for a month? fall off or new year's comes around and everybody has their workout habits and regimens they're trying to get into and it lasts for two weeks and then the gyms are back to being empty mm-hmm. and like uh, there's so many different things that people can try to do that'll maybe bring change that'll last for a, for a season or last for last for a while but the only thing that brings lasting change is through christ mm-hmm. and so that's that's the biggest thing i feel like is being able to uh invite christ into difficult conversations like I feel like we as believers, we should be we should be the kings of difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. Like if you look back like in the that. book of Acts, if you look back in the book of Acts and you look back and like all the difficult conversations they had then, we're just talking about all right. So we have these widows who are these Gentile, like the, like these kind of sort of Jewish widows, and we have the full Jewish widows. And I feel like the full Jewish widows are getting better treatment than the ones that are that are that are the, that are ones who were been in four lands and came back. And I feel like they're kind of getting the second best thing. And there's so much reconciliation that has to take place. It's difficult conversations that take place the whole way through. Or when the Gentiles get brought into the church and they have, to have the conversations about like how should we handle these people being let in. Do they need to follow every single one of our rules to the exact thing? Do the men need to be circumcised? Because they're grown. Like, <laughs> like, 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 I mean, but, but they're real conversations that were had and they were difficult conversations and the early church back then was willing to lean into it. Uh, and, it's, and it's the thing is like, are we as a church being willing to be uncomfortable? Are we willing to, are we willing to sacrifice our, our peace for the fact that, and are we willing to understand that if our brother doesn't have peace, that means we shouldn't have peace either. Mm-hmm. If, if our brother isn't if our brother isn't able to function at his fullest capacity that means that we as a body are not able to function at our fullest capacity mm-hmm. so uh, so I, I feel like I feel like that's the place for the church is is the place and is the willingness to actually uh, embrace hard conversations and not just run from it or not just try to throw a band-aid on it like oh we threw we threw a diversity party one weekend and now we had we had a thousand people that came and uh, actually actually trying to to work towards lasting like lasting change which mm-hmm. takes place in the heart of man not mm-hmm. on the externals yeah, yeah. that's good I don't know. I just say, like, to your point at the end, like the heart, like it, the change has to come in the heart, and for it to be in there, it's like that awareness that maybe something in my heart isn't lining up with the word of God. I'm not mm-hmm. in line with Christ. Like Christ went to go meet the Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. Like Christ had the heart to go and like you know pass through Samaria and go there, and and that recognition that other people were going around that person, right. and so it's like having that heart check of like, are there places where I have blind spots or I'm putting up walls or I'm not looking. And then like, like you said, leaning into that discomfort of, okay, now I see that I'm not doing it. What am I going to do about that? And how am I going to show Christ to this person and like, you know, engage with, you know, a different culture than mine or something like that. That's good. I think uh, it's an opportunity for all of us to have some conversations. Mm 
mm-hmm. right now. And I think that's healthy, especially healthy for the church, healthy for our society, uh, healthy on a lot of different levels, you know. And I'm excited for conversations we're going to continue to have here. You know, when we first started the series, I was kind of like, well, we'll just, let's just do a Sunday. William looked at me like, just a Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, let me think about that. And now it's like, we could just go, we could just hang here for a long, long time. But I think even after we, we stop it as a series, we're creating some practical steps to continue to move and not to say, well, we did that. Isn't that nice? And we push it aside. Mm-hmm. And I, I want you to know my, my commitment is I have a whole lot of things that we're talking about that we're going to do because I do feel like even though it's a, it's a hard season to be in, as a country, it's a hard season for you guys to be in. Part of it's, yeah, I've been here, done that. But also, this is a different volume mm-hmm. than before, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. Uh, I'm, I'm excited in the middle of our discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I so appreciate you guys mm-hmm. being willing to have this conversation and, and uh, talk these things out. And put yourself out there a little bit, you know, and say, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I think. And... I'm excited that people will be able to listen to this and get a little deeper glimpse into your heart, you know. Uh, is there is there anything you'd like to say as we kind of wrap this up, That anything that you want people to know um, either about you or about what we're facing as a country, what we're facing as a church, anything that stands out to you that you'd just like to say is kind of a closing closing word for us tonight it doesn't have to be perfect don't worry about making sure it's super it's like yeah this is in my gut and i want people to know this <laughs> you know just what, what is it for you i would say that in people's attempts to try to to build relationships and to build bridges like uh, as as predominantly white culture tries to extend itself towards like black brothers and sisters in christ I, uh, I think people think that that the response will be a lot harsher than it actually will be when they ask certain questions or they handle certain things. Like, uh, and I just want to like remind you guys, like we have the same Christ in us that you guys have in yeah. you, and like we have the same Holy Spirit in us that we guys have that you guys have in you. And we have there's a lot more patience and a lot more understanding and a lot more willingness to have these conversations than than you might think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but the hardest, but I'd say the first thing starts with like your willingness to just uh, dive into a conversation, just starting a conversation, or just welcoming somebody into your home or into your space and saying, "Here is my here 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 is here is my home to you." And like, what are your thoughts towards X, Y, and Z? Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, maybe not in the sense of trying to pressure somebody into a conversation with it, because not everybody necessarily wants to talk about it at this time. It mm-hmm. takes time. People are still trying to. to to weigh over things, but but I feel like people people assume that if they try to have a conversation with a person of color over these topics, they're automatically gonna shut them down or right. start start throwing out chants, or, like, <laughs> <laughs> or, or they're gonna uncork, uncork the bottle. And yeah, all this rage is yeah, gonna come out right now. Yeah, yeah, and and <laughs> and yeah, I, I feel like I feel like that's the biggest thing is there's a, there's a lot more grace for people than what they realize. I agree for these conversations. So I've seen that already in the last eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Here. Ashley, how about you? What's something that you just want people to know right now or something that's in you, you just want to make sure that you say it? <laughs> well, uh, well, you kind of stole what I had to say. <laughs> right? Says the Holy Spirit's working. That's what you're saying, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> Amen. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, just personally, even when um, my brothers and sisters that are white ask me questions, um, Sometimes I'm just like, you know, you can do research. I'm willing to answer these questions. But it's awesome if you also do personal research as well and to have a conversation about things. Um, that would be awesome. <laughs> that also lets me know that, man, you're you're invested. You know, you care. And um, I'm like, oh, okay, wow, okay, that's cool. So I would just say, you know, just do research. We have the internet. We have books. It's it's there. (laughs) 
be intentional. I agree. Ashley's not the source for all things blackness at Noble <laughs> Vineyard Church. <laughs> no, I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm glad that people want to know what you think. Yeah. And come, but, no, but after a point, it's like, there's a thing called Google. Yeah. Go check, go check it out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm willing to answer questions. Yeah. I love answering questions. But also, it's just, what, what are you doing in your spare time? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Just things like that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Selena, how about you? I guess, you know, I've, I've had, you know, people ask me, you know, how can, how can they help? How, what can they do? And, and really, I I really think when you're, when you're asking that question is realizing that everybody's different. Mm -hmm. Like the three of us, like we're all African, African African-American and we all have very different experiences. And so it's not one size fits all for everyone. And just kind of asking them, you know, hey, I, if I want to support you, like, what would be supportive for you? Okay. Like, what would you like? Would you like to just sit down and have a conversation? Can I ask you questions? Like, and for people who want to go protest in March, like, if you're comfortable with that, you know, can I join you with that? Do you want to go do that? Like, just kind of like meeting them as another human being sure. and not coming, you know, coming in with a one size fits all of like, Oh well, you um, like I've been approached. Well, you must obviously want to go protest, really, because you're black. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like all the other black people are going to go protest. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not going out there at the moment. <laughs> um, I'm like, there's COVID outside. Yeah, there's COVID out there, and like there's five thousand people, and I just don't want to um, for various different reasons. And so I, I think there's a lot of pressure on people to get it right. And, and the anxiety that they're going to get it wrong. And like you just coming from like a heart of Christ, coming from a genuine place with someone meeting them as just another human being of, hey, I just wanted to connect with you. You know, I don't know what you might want in this situation. What, what can I do to help? Right. Yeah. I agree. There's so many people who just want to do something mm-hmm. and they have they have no idea. There's just an awakening going on in their hearts and minds and like. You know, I've seen, even just around Sunday mornings, I've seen a brokenness in people. And, and part of that brokenness is like, I didn't realize this is what was really going on, but I have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. I feel so helpless. And uh, that's where I think, you know, we, we're we going to give some specific concrete steps of what we can do all do together. But just praying for people. Mm-hmm. Praying for people. I definitely don't want to add pressure. And you guys articulated everything so well tonight I, I appreciate that you guys have said it so well on so many levels um but I, I i do appreciate your willingness to be part of the solution and help people these are things you've known for a long time and there are a lot of people who are just figuring it out and you guys offer some experience and your relationship with the Lord Jesus, and uh, you just have a lot to offer. And again, don't want to feel, don't feel pressure. <laughs> don't want to pressure on you. Just be you and and pray. And the Holy Spirit, He leads the way for us, and it's a good mm-hmm. thing. So, again, thanks guys for for hanging out. And I hope a lot of people get to listen to this and mm-hmm. learn more about you, and it will help them on their journey. And that will be a great thing. So, Doctor William, would you just Close us in prayer tonight as we uh, get ready to draw this to a close tonight. Sure. So, dear Lord, I thank you for I thank you for fellow fellow believers, Father, who are who are pursuing you, who are longing to become more like you. Uh, Lord, regardless of skin tone, regardless of of background, regardless of educational status, Father, Lord, the one thing that brings us together is your Son Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you that that in the midst of our conversation that that every one of our actions that we have, that every single thing that we can do, it starts and ends with Jesus. So, uh, Lord, I pray that even as people in our church are, are grappling with the issues that are going on with our culture and our society, that, Father, they can recognize just that, that that uh, the first step in the beginning, uh, the way on, the on-ramp for every single thing, it, it begins and ends with you. It begins and ends with Jesus. Uh, and, and starting from there is the best place to start. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you just continue to build unity within within our church, within our community, in our city, in the global body of Christ, Lord. Uh, and Lord, that you would just allow, uh, Lord, you would allow 
allow this pruning season to continue. So, Father, we can we can print we can present ourselves before you as as your church, Lord, pure and spotless before you. Uh, so, Lord, thank you for working out the kinks. <laughs> I pray that in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here tonight, guys. And uh, for you out there who are listening to this, thank you for checking it out. And I encourage you just to pray about what you hear and see what God has to say to you. Thanks, everybody.